So much like the Twins last week, the Chicago White Sox are preparing for life after the departure of a beloved broadcaster. So today we have our friend Dave Brown on to discuss it. This is Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello again, friends, and welcome back to Locked on Twins. I'm your host, Brandon Warren, and you can unfollow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. Thanks for making Locked on Twins your first listen every day. We're free and available on whatever podcast platform that you prefer. How's that for alliteration? Um, As well as on YouTube. And, of course, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Please hang out in the comments section. We love to hear from you, whether it's questions, comments, uh, compliments, all that fun stuff. We would love to hear from you. Today's episode, by the way, is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, you see my good friend Dave Brown here. Mr. Dave Brown, you can follow him on Twitter at Answer Dave Brown. How are we doing? We're doing good, Brandon. I'm, I'm glad you had me on. It's a uh, you guys know what's going on in Minnesota when it comes to losing a broadcaster. Now the White Sox have lost one of their own. Yeah, not not the same situation. Obviously, Dick Bramer for the better part of four decades. Jason Benetti much shorter than that. But Dick Bramer, I think, has a place in our hearts just due to the nostalgia factor. You know, everybody who watches the Twins grew up listening to him with the exception of, you know, maybe some of the older fans, but then they had before that um, the radio with Halsey Hall and Harmon Killebrew and all that. So with Bonetti though, it just, there's such a special connection to him, to Chicago. He's an exceptional talent. We've seen him nationally do all kinds of different stuff. Can, can you kind of help me understand the the immediate reaction when you when you know, I guess it broke early earlyish Thursday uh, in the morning, but I was absolutely shocked. What was your standpoint or view and uh, what is your perception of the fan base on a whole? It was it was a shock. Uh, I, I can't say that it was it's a hundred percent of a surprise that they are parting. Uh, you could sort of reading the tea leaves coming up to this point, you could see that they weren't necessarily the White Sox and Jason Benetti were not agreeing very easily on a contract for the future. And, um, you know, I, you always got the feeling that they didn't like uh, how sometimes they'll do the national broadcast, like you mentioned, although, you know, there's an upside for that too, that, you know, Hey, here's the White Sox broadcaster doing mm-hmm. ESPN or Fox or whatever it was, uh, Apple. Um, and there are, there are, are a few people out there on Twitter who didn't care for Benetti's humor. Um, they didn't necessarily like uh, some of the longer stories that he would tell. And I suppose he's not as polished as someone like Dick Bramer would have been doing it for decades, but, uh, obviously a talented guy, uh, someone who is for hire in a lot of different places and people are upset mostly I think because 
they liked Jason Benetti. He was kind of one of them. He was a White Sox fan growing up. He was a, a an analytics guy. He he had an open mind about that. It, he had he was uh, he tried to be funny. I thought he was funny. Maybe he wasn't always funny, but he certainly tried and had a sense of humor about himself. And the White Sox uh, twins fans might have noticed are in a state right now that it's so poor. There's not a lot to uh, wrap yourself around if you're a White Sox fan. And Jason Benetti made it palatable, at the very least, to watch White Sox games. And I think that is is a shock to many that he's gone, and it is a a huge disappointment. Yeah, I think Luis Robert, I still always want to say Robert just because it sounds fancier. Um, Dylan Cease. And then uh, that's pretty much it. You know, Liam Hendricks getting the buyout that's stretched out, so basically – you know, it was uh, same amount of money, but stretched out rather than just paying him in the first place. There's a lot of things going on in White Sox land that, uh, from my perception, don't seem to be going great. And do you do you get any sense of like trepidation for Benetti leaving? Because as much as I'm sure, you know, the job was difficult for him, and and sometimes being too close to your favorite things can make your favorite things feel like work. Sometimes I feel like that too. It's like if you do something you love, it doesn't feel like work. But once you enjoy something and then make it work, I think it can diminish your enjoyment of it. Do you feel like he was ready for a fresh start or was he really conflicted? Was it uh, was it that tough of a decision for him? I don't I, I mean, it might be a tough decision just because, you know, to, to pick up to pick up stakes and move to another city and try and get to know another fan base and kind of start over. I don't know that that's something that anybody really looks forward to very much. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough job in the first place. And it's difficult mm-hmm. to make those kind of transitions, even though it is just baseball, uh, no matter where you go. Um, you know, I, I, I will say that I always kind of got the feeling that maybe Jerry Reinsdorf wasn't as big as a, of a fan of Benetti and, uh, as maybe some of the fans were. And, um, you know, maybe Benetti felt that a little bit. I, I always kind of, when he and, and Steve Stone, the analyst, would get kind of uh, critical of the White Sox, I would kind of think in the back of my mind, is Reinsdorf, uh, does he like this? Is he okay with this? And I kind of wonder if that's part of Reinsdorf's hesitation to give Benetti whatever contract he was looking for. Um, and conversely, I, I wonder, you know, you ask a good question, is is uh, working for the White Sox when you're working for Jerry Reinsdorf all it's cracked up to be, even if you're a White Sox fan? So. Um, Jason, from that standpoint, Jason Benetti is going to be fine. Uh, he's already a national presence. I think the Tiger fans are going to enjoy him. They kind of were, the Tigers have been in a, a lurch for a while. They had a broadcaster that they, the fans seemed to like a few years ago. Uh, Mario and, and Rod Allen was the, the analyst. And, you know, this gives them a, you know, they seem to, the Tigers seem to be on the upswing a little bit. I think this is somebody that the Tigers fans can uh, get to enjoy and, and grow with. So all that's going to be fine. But, you know, the White Sox fans are the ones who are left with, um, you know, kind of a questionable future and, and a kind of an irritating present. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see who they hire. Uh, maybe they'll find a, a good person, but I kind of thought they had one already. Yeah, no question about it. And, and frankly, if uh... – there are a lot of Twins fans lamenting that if they had known Benetti was willing to move, why not Minnesota? But why Detroit? I mean, do you just get the sense of, you know, stay in the division? He knows the division. He knows all that stuff. 
Um, I'm sure the opportunity was there. Uh, that little Caesars money probably couldn't hurt. But um, I don't know. I just feel like Jerry Reinsdorf gets in the way of everything good for not only probably that team's fan base, but also the Bulls of late. Well, that's a, that's a common sentiment among White Sox and, and Bulls fans for sure in Chicago. I'm not there anymore. I mean, I grew up there and I'm in Kansas City now, but um, I keep tabs on all that stuff and, uh, you know, I cover the White Sox for a local paper, you know, 15 years ago. So, and that, that was the, the sort of the, the aura around Reinsdorf that even then that, well, you know, if, if they do win, it's going to be maybe not in spite of him, but he, you know, he's, he's going to do things his own way. And mm-hmm. uh, sometimes that's going to uh, trip things up and, and make it kind of less palatable, palatable for the fans. But, you know, one thing I wanted to get out was th- this reminds me of, I was a little boy when it happened, but when Jerry Reinsdorf bought the White Sox, I think I was eight or nine. And um, he, uh, they, they had in place Harry Carey, who was a very popular announcer. Uh, I would say more popular than, than Benetti is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, yeah. it was a situation where the team was bad and what they had going for them was, uh, you know, Harry Carey and his, uh, uh, you know, camaraderie and chemistry with Jimmy Pearsall on the broadcasts. And this just reminds me of that, that, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, you'd think it would, it would be good cover for the stank that the White Sox are, are giving out right now. But it just reminds me of uh, when Reinsdorf decided that Harry was a little too popular and, you know, didn't want to keep him around. And it signified something to him that was, distasteful. So we let him go to the Cubs where he became uh, even more popular. And it was, it was kind of like, you know, people talk about losing Sammy Sosa to the Cubs. Well, Harry Carey was the first mm-hmm. person of that kind that the White Sox lost and went to the Cubs and was a bigger deal and then Sammy Sosa. And now kind of this, it's another, uh, maybe there's more things that I'm not even thinking of, but those three things kind of go together where uh, Ryan Storff has kind of fumbled it. And, uh, it's. Uh, I mean, I guess at least Jason Benetti isn't going to the Cubs, but he is leaving, mm-hmm. and it, it makes it harder for us to watch the team. Well, maybe they can steal Boog Shambi, but uh, I, I I have my doubts there. Um, also, too, I feel like the the perception of Reinsdorf, which albeit isn't good, would probably be drastically worse if he hadn't had Michael Jordan to, you know, paper over some of his shortcomings. Really, it would be just then the. The 05 team, which, uh, you know, was a pain in my hind end as a Twins fan back then. But, sure. um, yeah, uh, you know, things with Reinsdorf are are certainly not great. Let's let's take a quick second here, though, and talk about our friends at Chase Medical or my friends at Chase Medical. You will, I think, enjoy them, too, uh, Mr. Answer, Dave. Um, we spend a lot of time talking together, you and I, not you and me, Dave, but the listener and me. Uh, we get fired up together on wins and losses, who starts, who sits, all that fun stuff. And that's a great connection. We love having that connection with you. But today our chat's going to be a little more personal. Whether you're on extended travel, bracing for a major weather event, or limited by yet another supply shortage, you are covered. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical Life-Saving Antibiotics and a long list of daily medications, can be ordered in a one-year supply. Also, also, you can get ED gen- generics. I'm going to try not to stumble through this for Cialis and Viagra and Ravashio prescriptions. Now go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount as well. A verified 
customer had this to say about Jace. I'm thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half just so I could have them. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit, and now I feel secure. Prices are lower than local pharmacies, and I highly recommend this for everyone. So if you or someone would love to get peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com and see if it's offered for you. Now, remember to use the promo code Locked On for $20 off your purchase. That's Jace Medical, J-A-S-E medical.com. All right, Dave, we are into the bullpen second segment of the show. Thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. Coming back here on uh, Friday, I'm going to do off-season vibes. There's three different paths that I could see the Twins taking this off-season, and I'm not going to tell you any of them right now. So you're going to have to come back and listen to them on Friday. Got a busy weekend planned ahead. Little man turned one yesterday, so we're going to try find time Friday and, and then sneak in a bonus episode this weekend to make up for lost time. I did want to touch, Dave, on some uh, – not touch, Dave – touch on some news with Dave probably should be more clear about that. Um, last too far day, away. You can't reach me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, last day of GM meetings canceled due to the stomach bug. Uh, is someone doing, uh, what would you call this? Like uh, food poisoning warfare, or do you think it's just, uh, you know, somebody ate the fish? What, what do you think is going on here? And um, do the GM meetings matter all that much? Some years, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> it does It does seem like there have been other years where there's not even been a whole lot of chatter, much less uh, comments, uh, you know, anything getting out. Uh, this year, it seemed uh, you know, a couple of players showed up and did some uh, interviews. And uh, maybe that happens more than I realize, but it seems like it is uh, – very much an appetizer for the the um, the winter meetings that come in a month or so, um, yep. and that that's usually, as fans know, that's the, the big activity. So, um, you know, I think it's good to keep the the lines open. Although, don't these guys talk all the time? I think I don't know if it's like uh, how it used to be, where players you know like didn't work out in the off season and they got in shape in spring training. I think these GMs really have their trading muscles, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, ready to go all season. So I don't know how, how valuable the GM meetings are. Uh, so you know, it's not, it's not like Brad Pitt hopping on a plane to go talk to Mark Shapiro in Cleveland. Right. I, I mean, I suppose that happens from time to time, but, um, right. and as far as the, the food and getting sick, I, I saw John Heyman of CBS tweet that he had, uh, gone to in and out burger, for almost every meal. So he avoided whatever it was that the other, the other GMs and, and front office people were doing to get sick. So I think that's uh you know, not, not to do the product placement, but I think that's the way to go no matter what kind of meeting you're having. Yeah. No question about it. Uh, sounds like virtually any brewer on the roster is available at the forefront of that, uh, especially with Brandon Woodruff now on, uh, on the shelf is Corbin Burns. And I, when I think about the Twins, and this is a vibe I'm going to touch on, I think they're going to swing big in a trade because, you know, this offseason with the budget stuff, with Bally and broadcasting rights and that sort of thing, I get the sense that if the Twins are really going to cut payroll, I know they said they would. I don't know how much that actually matters. Uh, I think they're going to swing 
big for another starter. Now, whether big means a second Pablo Lopez type that they think they can, you know, cultivate maybe a little better performance out of, or if you just get a ready-made stud guy like Burns, um, I feel like that's going to be the avenue the Twins take to replace Sonny Gray, Kenta Maeda, um, maybe bring Kenta back on a one-year deal because it's not going to be crazy expensive. But um, Corbin Burns to the to the Twins, do you think that would be a decent fit? It would be. You know, I think uh, he's not a guy who, uh, you know, they, I think there's always been kind of this thing about Burns that they're pretty cautious with him. Uh, yeah. They don't like to use him third time through the order very much. So he's not, you know, Aaron Nola in that way where, you know, he's he's going to be seven or eight innings. But for six innings, you know, the guy's pretty nails. Uh, I yeah. think that would be good. Uh, I think, uh, you know, the, the Twins also, if they have a little better luck with some players who are injured this year, uh, you know, I hate to sound like, uh, you know, the GM who doesn't go out and get anybody, but the Twins can get better with the players that they have already being yeah. healthier in yeah. the next season. So, uh, you know, you saw, you had a little taste of what Carlos Correa can do when everything's right in the playoffs. He had some great moments and was really driving them uh, for at least for the first round. So, um, but Corbin Burns would be, you know, I think the, you're right about the, the Brewers kind of giving up now that Craig Council left town. Um, you know, I, I see a big pivot from them. So I, that's somebody who's going to be available. I don't know who the, the Luis Arise uh, type, uh, you know, stick is, but, or mm-hmm. carrot, but, uh, he would be terrific, absolutely. Well, and if the Twins trade chips are Jorge Polanco or Max Kepler, that's probably not going to be of interest, obviously, just because if the Brewers are starting over, they're not going to want guys in their late 20s. So it's probably going to be more likely along the lines of uh, Emmanuel Rodriguez and some of the prospects yeah. um, near the cusp there. Uh, former Twins infielder Luis Arise named Silver Slugger in the National League. Can you remember – a trade where both teams benefited more. Um, again, Twins need a pitching. Marlins seem to be just churning out really good pitchers, guys who can't necessarily stay healthy, but good pitchers besides. Right. Um, I can't remember more of a win-win trade in recent seasons. I, I remember thinking of this trade as, as definitely when Arise got off to the start that he did. And I know Lopez had a bad month in there, but he got off to a, a pretty solid start too. <laughs> I remember thinking early on, that's exactly what this kind of deal was going to be. Um, and, and it really has. And I can't, you know, to answer your question, I can't think of a, a better example of a trade where, you know, it really worked out for both teams. And I don't think you're, you know, you would get a complaint from either side about, well, we, you know, we didn't have a rise. The twins more or less made up for that. And Pablo Lopez was definitely driving uh, what they yep. had going and and was a, a a huge reason why they did as well as they did. So um, it's it's neat when trades work out exactly in that way. There aren't too many that do. Yeah, and Edward Julian emerged as a an option at second base. Stone hands, I think you'd probably say at second. Although it improved as the stretch season went down the stretch, but uh, definitely an option at second base, depending on where Polanco ends up um nick castellanos possibly available from the phillies twins could use a right hand stick uh i don't know how much you'd want to play him in the outfield but um if buxton can play center they'll have some plate appearances at dh three years and 60 million left though and i'm not sure how i feel about that i kind of feel though like this could be 
So when Nelson Cruz signed with the Mariners, I remember thinking that many years for a guy that old uh, and that much money, I was like, there's no way. And then he was phenomenal for like 10 years after that. With Castellanos, I kind of feel like even though he's had a couple years that weren't that great, uh, one bad and one actually perfectly fine, uh, that he's going to be a guy that where you'll look back and be like, I can't believe that people would have had any trepidation about trading for this guy. I think he'll bounce back. It's going to be good to have him in a clubhouse because I think he's got um, he's got kind of this edge to him, but I don't think it's it's harmful. And so I don't know. I mean, I don't know how I feel about three years and 60 million, but at the same time, you know, if he was a free agent, you'd have to give him more years and more money. So why not? He's got a, he's got a fun swagger about him. Yeah. Uh, harmless. You said harmless. I don't think there's a downside to the attitude that he brings from that side. You know, he, he ended up uh, last season at the end, he was in a horrible way at the plate, uh, a bad slump and kind of didn't know how to, at least it sounded like he didn't know how to get out of it. Guys get out of slumps though. Uh, after some time, you know, he, he's actually improved. I wouldn't say that like he's a great right fielder, but mm-hmm. you can put him in right field now. And he's a much better defensive player than he was maybe three years ago. He, he was a third baseman when he came up with the Tigers way back when, and it's taken him a while to learn the outfield and to figure out the importance of defense. There's some funny quotes in Castellanos' mm-hmm. history about that, about paying attention on defense, but um, he's better there. You know, the Phillies would be selling low, um, and they just they, – the, the thing that sort of made me go, I'm not sure about this, with Castellanos leaving – was that they just um, didn't tender uh, an offer, a qualifying offer to Reese Hoskins. It seems to me that maybe one of those guys not coming back makes sense. I'm not sure about both. So I don't know Mm -hmm. like how eager Mm -hmm. the Phillies actually are to get rid of Castellanos. They don't have too much inside information on that. It's just from a logical standpoint, if we're not having Hoskins back, we still need somebody out there to swing the bat. So, um, but I would, cautiously bring in Castellanos. I don't know what that trade would uh, re- require, but I think he'll probably bounce back. But, you know, he, he ended the season last year in a really bad way at the plate. Yeah, uh, I'm pulling for him because his mom follows me on Twitter, which obviously <laughs> is a huge deal. Um, but, yeah, he could be a really interesting fit. It reminds me a little of Alex Gordon moving off third base and kind of finding himself after that. Yeah. Uh, Alex Gordon though, uh, frustrated me to no end every time he caught a Joe Maurer line drive down the left field line. But since we're talking about Royals, uh, last piece of news du jour before we move on to Bally and talking about what you're up to. Um, Zach Greinke undecided on his future. What's it going to be like when Zach Greinke is no longer playing? Not only, from a national standpoint, but from a Royal standpoint, because from a twin standpoint, um, you know, he was pitching against the twins when I was in my early twenties. I'm not that anymore. Uh, so I've, you know, we've been watching him for a long time, the ups, the downs and all that stuff. And whenever he walks off the mound, whatever he does next is going to be fascinating, but what a, what a fascinating guy, like what a, just a curious, interesting man. For sure. And, you know, if you get him at the right moment, a really good guy to talk to and get opinions. Sometimes he doesn't really have anything to say, but, um, you know, there, there's uh, a lot churning in that brain, especially when it comes to baseball. He's he's a good scout and you mm-hmm. know, he's talked about being interested in the front office kind of thing. 
Um, you know, he, he he's maybe not sure, you know, in, in practice what that would mean. But um, he, you know, it took him a while. He started out pretty poorly last year. By the end of the season, uh, he was serviceable as a pitcher still. And I think that's what he's looking for. He's on the verge of uh, 3,000 strikeouts, I believe. And I think that's something that he wants to get. Um, it's just Do you think it's Royals are bust with him, by the way? I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. I, I kind of wanted the Royals, you know, I'm not a fan exactly, but I thought it would be neat to end the career with the Royals and then mm-hmm. kind of go into the Hall of Fame as a, I mean, as a Royals player. I think there's yeah. a pretty good chance that he will do that anyway, but it would be nice to, for Granke to retire as a Royal. And it, what are the Royals doing? I mean, that's another team, kind of like the White Sox. I'm not sure. Yeah exactly what their motivations are and how much money they want to spend on pitchers. And I mean, they, they could use a guy like Grinky just to be, to hang around and have, give the fans some reason to go to, to Royals games. There isn't that much reason to do that right now. So there's a incentive for the Royals to bring back Grinky. Um, I, I think, you know, based on his performance last year, he's pushing it a little bit. I think, one more year at the most, and that's going to be it, just based on how last year went. Um, I don't know if it's Royals or bust, but I kind of hope it is. And I, I hope yeah. he stays one more year and then hangs it up. Yeah, as long as he doesn't go out like Ken Griffey Jr. did, that would be um, that'd be just devastating. Uh, let's take a quick second here. When we come back, we'll wrap things up with some Bally Sports discussion and uh, State of the Central and help Dave figure out what's next. We're going to have a lot of fun with that, so uh, stay tuned. All right, Dave, we're back, and Bally Sports, you know, the writing is on the wall that things are not going great there. Um, When I think about the fact that I'm sure it's about 20 teams have them as their regional sports network. uh, We're down to like 12 now, I think. Oh, is that right? Okay, so it's four – well, it's four – of the five teams in the AL Central, you know, are with Bally or had been with Bally through last season. Um, and when I think about the number of teams that are kind of in those same situations for broadcasting rights, am I foolish to believe that maybe it's going to be a widespread thing this offseason that teams are going to be really, really, really budgetarily conscious? Well, I mean, that's one of the things about Bally Sports. You know, it wasn't and hasn't been just their issues. Um, it's a, a league wide thing when it comes to, you know, people have talked about uh, the, the transformation of cable, the cable TV package and cord cutting and what people are willing to pay for who aren't baseball fans. And I think that is where that's where a lot of the rub is with the, the regional sports networks and Bally ran into that issue. You know, they also ran into, you know, and I was uh, a national writer for them for three years until oh, around August for, or uh, October 1st, you know, they ran into an issue where, you know, people complained all the time about the app and uh, they're still doing that, was, by the way, with the Timberwolves, it's horrible. Well, that's what people usually say about it, whether it's the Timberwolves or uh, the Royals or some other team, you know, the technology with the app is where Bally itself really you know has blown it. They, they had an opportunity to, uh, broadcast these games, and it's the technology that has failed. Um, you know, yeah, they're in a in a tough boat economically because of 
uh, how cable TV is paid for these days. But it's the the technology, the app was really kind of worked against them for for years, and they didn't fix it. Um, so, but to answer your question about other teams, yeah, I, there are other situations. Uh, you know, AT and T has some teams, and um, where there's going to be this transformation. It's you know how much are uh, places willing to to pay? You know how much is a uh, how much are places willing to pay? Uh, you know, what kind of advertising can they get? It's it's still, it's it's a wide open kind of thing where we don't know, you know, what the future is going to be other than it's probably going to be for uh, fewer, you know, less amount than what teams, you know, like the Royals signed a big TV contract with Ballia a few years ago. Is that, are they going to finish that? I, I can't mm-hmm. imagine that they will. So um, that's going to, you know, shake up some spending habits of front offices and there's going to be some uh, some definite um, uncertainty about what tomorrow is going to bring until we have a little more, um, you know, uh, I don't know what the word is, but until we know uh, who the next business is that's going to pay for these broadcasts, so where's that money coming from? We're not sure. So you think it's a temporary thing, though, like it's not going to be a drastic, I mean. Cyclical, uh, cyclical more than yeah. temporary and drastic maybe in the short term. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, we, we saw stories about the Padres not being able to cover payroll and having to take out loans um, to, you know, I mean, that's kind of an ex- extreme example because they have had a huge payroll and some teams, you know, yeah. the, the Orioles, I don't think are spending $65 million on their roster. So, um, mm-hmm. so it depends on the team situation. I mean, there might be some extreme moments you know, maybe a season or two where we don't know what's going to happen. But I think the whole thing is cyclical anyway, and they'll figure out a way. Somebody will figure out a way to overpay uh, down the road to make up for the the lost revenue here in the interim. So you look at teams like the White Sox on NBC, uh, Sports Chicago. You got the Yankees on Yes, the Mets on SNY. You got Masson, you got Nesson. Do those teams have an advantage this offseason budget-wise then? I mean, the White Sox being the only team in the Central with a deal like that, to me, would suggest that um, it's probably not that worrisome because they are they have the Reinsdorf cap. You know, <laughs> their biggest contract ever handed out was Andrew Benintendi. Uh, do you think, though, that the, the teams who have their own networks are going to be at an advantage, or do you think it's going to be just kind of – it is what it is right now because broadcast rights are just up in the air across the league. No, I think there's something to what you're saying because there's a, a little bit of certainty there. Of course, it depends on how they have spent up to this point and what kind yeah. of contracts are they owed? Are, are they going to be owing in the next few years that are already on the books? Um, you know, if they don't have uh, necessarily, you know, the, the one thing it seems like that uh, the owners are in a, uh, a paying mood right now. You know, a couple of years ago, you'd go into the GM meetings, the winter meetings, and you could just tell that there was going to be freezing out. There was going to be, uh, you know, hesitation about, uh, you know, what we're going to pay. It doesn't seem like that's, you know, we, we kind of loosened the restrictor plates a little bit last year. I think it's going to be even a little bit more free spending this year, at least like you said, among some of the teams with some certainty about mm-hmm. uh, their local revenue. So. Um, short answer to your, you know, a long answer, but a short answer to your question is it depends on, you know, what kind of uh, costs they have uh, in the books already for the years to come. If they haven't spent too much, 
if they have their own network, they're going to be more willing to spend. Sure. And I think too, there's a, something to be said about if you sign, let's say Cody Bellinger and you say, Hey, will you take 12 and a half million the first year? And then we'll bump you up to 28, 30 beyond that. There is uh, some guys who will be willing to do that, you know, say, Hey, we need a year to figure out what's going to happen with these rights. We're still going to pay you, you know, 200 million over your eight years or whatever it is, or 150 over six. I think there could be some of that too, where, Hey, get us through this uncertainty and we'll make sure that you're taken care of. For sure. And uh, the agents will get creative with that to a certain extent too. And uh, you know, they're, uh, they're going to want to get top dollar, but like you said, they can kind of work around whatever the, the economic realities are. If the, the big payoff is there at some point within the life of the deal. Well, and what's funny is that a lot of the teams that have their own networks are just kind of dog water right now. I mean, the Nationals, bad. Yankees, not where they want to be. Red Sox, not where they want to be. White Sox, arguably the most disappointing team of the 2023 season. Um, so a lot of these teams with their own regional networks are not one stud away where they're going to be like, oh, we're going to bully somebody out of Cody Bellinger. You know, he doesn't do enough to get the Red Sox over the top. Maybe the Yankees, but, you know, so we'll see what happens there. Um, I have two more things for you if you're still doing good on time. Sure. You told me off the air you have your first Hall of Fame vote this winter. What? We used to have on my old podcast, Mike Berardino of the Pioneer Press back in the day when he was still living in the Twin Cities, and he would reveal his ballot. Um, do you plan on doing yours as a reveal on the website? If you don't want to say you don't have to, but also like what's your feeling about grinding to get to that point? Like it's got to be quite an honor to be able to do that. It's something that I've wanted for a long time. I'm a, before anything else, I'm a huge baseball nerd. Mm -hmm. And I take the Hall of Fame really seriously, perhaps more seriously than I should. But that's how I felt about it. You know, it's a an honor is a, is a is a good way to put it. Um, you know, I've put a lot of I don't want to call it work, but I think about you know every year when people uh, when the the Hall of Fame chatter has has gotten up, I've thought about well what would I do, and you know who would be on my ballot. Not necessarily that anybody would care, but it's just a I don't know, a mental exercise and it's, it's fun. And I think that's, uh, you know, the way you should do it. I don't think you, that you should spend only a little time on it or, you know, a, a weekend or whatever. It's uh it's a big deal. I mean, it's uh you know, it's the ultimate honor in baseball. And even though the hall of fame has some warts and some yep. issues with it um, and there's lots of politics involved and there, sometimes there aren't any obvious right answers it's uh, it's the history of the game. It's um, it's you know it's the most important thing that we have. It's the tradition. It's handing mm -hmm. it down from generation to generation. It's recognizing the the context of what's gone on before. All those reasons are are why it's uh it's an honor to to vote. And um you know I I I don't have a I haven't thought about like a process of revealing a ballot or anything like that. I think mm -hmm. my my intentions going in. And I know there's some rules about what I'm supposed to say and what I'm not. Um, you know, I plan on voting. I think I'll vote for nine or ten guys this year. I think there's still are that many. Um, yeah. So you know, I'm not. There's a couple. Of, you know, Bonds and Clemens fell off the ballot. 
in recent years. And um, I think mostly because of the, the PED issues, uh, yep. you know, I think there are other good reasons to actually not vote for those guys. Um, uh, yep. Domestic violence with, with bonds, you know, he reportedly, uh, you know, it's in court papers. It's been written about, um, you know, assaulted his wife on, at the time on numerous occasions. And Roger Clemens's relationship with uh, Mindy McCready is. That was the name I was going to invoke too. Yeah. Really. Uh, questionable and uh at i mean at the, very, at the very least and i'm being nice yep. it's awful yep. i think those are good reasons to not vote for somebody so sure. you know, if i get on my high horse about anything it would be something like that so are you on the holiday list uh holiday card list for marie chass yet or is that maybe your second time <laughs> voting where you'll be able to stand on his lawn i you know i enjoy reading murray's or did from afar. So yeah, what a legend. I mean, honestly, to be honest, a legend. For sure. Absolutely. And there's a, a place for uh, those kind of histories at, at the table to discuss, but I don't think I'm, I don't think he knows who I am, honestly. So I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't get any cards from, from any of those guys really. Yeah. Well, uh, what, so what's up with you right now? I mean, you said Bally and you had a parting of the ways um, what are you looking for? What are you trying to do here moving forward? Because, uh, well, I was going to ask you, your Twitter account got clapped, um, which was, it a did. that was, uh, you know, in unrelated news. Yeah. My, my yeah. original answer, Dave Twitter account got, uh, clapped. It was a complete misunderstanding <laughs> and it would be a, a tangent to go off as to why, but I had to start over with answer Dave Brown, very different name than answer Dave, but, um, oh yeah, for sure. So in a, a very eventful season for me, uh, in terms of losing my job and then losing my social media identity. But, um, yeah, I'm a, a free agent. Uh, I, I've, uh, applied at a few different places. I'm in the Kansas city area and probably prefer to stay there. But, uh, you know, yeah. if you uh, own a, a major major league baseball writing outlet, I am available. Uh, we, I know we just had the World Series, so maybe there's some turnover at your company. Uh, just let Brandon know or find me on Twitter at Answer Dave Brown, and I'm going to talk to you uh, at length about what I can do for. And I know it sounds like I'm kidding, but I'm also kind of serious that yeah. I, you know, I love doing this. I, you have to be in the in the BBWA for uh, ten straight years to to get a Hall of Fame vote. And it's just kind of funny that here, I think it's actually my eleventh year, and. Uh, I'm unemployed as I, I don't really have anywhere to write at the moment about yeah. the hall of fame. So it's uh, some, some irony there. It's uh, but not the fun kind. Well, no question about it. We'll do our best see what we can find for you. Dave, thank you for taking so much. Thank you so much for taking time out of your uh, Thursday evening. Uh, again, I appreciate you coming on talking about Jason Benetti who, um, you know, what a loss for the White Sox who just kind of keep taking L's nonstop. But, um, yeah, I appreciate your time. Again, people follow him at Answer Dave Brown. But for now, this is time to say so long. And thank you for hanging out. This has been Locked on Twins.